Hey Gabriel Blake. Hey Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? Today I'm in a new location. Oh. While you're not. We are mm-hmm. in your apartment after visiting two bars. Mm-hmm. San Francisco is now in the yellow tier, which means bars can open, but they're not, or they're too loud. So we just decided to come back here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true that the first bar, they never promised that they were going to be open. To be frank, you know, uh, but the second one, yeah, there was like a pack of tiny dogs that are just barking nonstop to us. And I believe we have made like for a very interesting podcast. We decided to just move the party here. But talking about that, talking about the party, what did we watch this time? We watched the 2020 Oscar-winning film mm-hmm. Another Round by Thomas Vinterberg, and mm-hmm. all of our 12 listeners might recognize the fact that we like the directors that founded Dogma 95. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like half of them. We you like know, to one hate we, them. Yeah, no, one more thing. I mean, I think The Celebration is an amazing movie, but the other half of the uh, of the duets that created Dogma 95, I'm never completely sure if we love him or we hate to love him or we love to hate him. And I did want to comment in this podcast that it's fascinating that these founders of Dogma 95 never made any Dogma films after their, like, moment of yep. their 15 minutes of fame. They're like, no, no, we want to use soundtracks. We want to use artificial lights. <laughs> exactly. You know, this is too hard. And it's like, I want them had, like, an isolated authority of people pretending to be, like, mentally challenged. Which was brave. It was, yeah, it was like redefining cinema as we know it. Uh, the other one had a very interesting story that I think that I actually benefited from using Dogma. Which was? Celebration. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that I should just make it like even more raw and harder and more enjoyable to watch at the same time. Yep. So, yeah, from that perspective, it's like I think that Thomas Winterberg... Not, not to get too off topic, but... I I personally would say Celebration is the best Dogma film. Do you disagree? I mean, I only watched three of them, so... So which of the three is the best? <laughs> it's Celebration. Yeah. It's not The Idiots. No, it's not The okay. Idiots. And the, right. second, the Idiots is not even the second one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that the, the, the ranking of The Idiots will actually be decreasing as more, more Dogma movies I keep watching. Uh, but in any case, this was your pick. Why did you pick it? I picked it because I love Thomas Winterberg. Well, I have a fascination with Thomas Winterberg. How about that? Like, even when sure. he's at his, when he's not at his best, when he did Dear Wendy in the early 2000s, which nobody saw, and the critics who were forced to see it didn't like, I still <laughs> thought it was interesting. Um, correct me, have we recorded about the celebration? We yeah, did. Yes, yeah, we did. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we liked the celebration as an exercise, an intellectual exercise, or a you know ridiculous exercise in rules that don't matter. Also, I saw The Hunt, which also stars Mads Mikkelsen, yeah. and um, that is one of my favorite movies of the last 21 years. Since 2000, I think The Hunt is, is something wow. special. Okay. Um, and then, of course, it just won an Oscar, and then, of course, Hollywood announced <laughs> they were going to remake it starring... Leonardo DiCaprio. So, for all of these reasons, I was like, why don't we talk about this? Why don't we talk about this on the podcast? I have a lot of big feelings about this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of those historic moments that is better to just express our opinion of. Personally, I have no idea how Leonardo DiCaprio can replace Matt Nicholson. No, I It's, yeah. Is that, look, you already just mentioned it, and I already know that this is a miscast. Is that I don't think that there is. Actually, perform those sweet, sweet jazz ballet moves as much because of that. Have they announced who anyone else in the cast is? Any of the four friends? No, I don't think so. That probably is going to be uh, Adam Sandler, Owen Wilson, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, Matt Damon. I really hope that Darren Aronofsky directs this. (laughs) That would be. I don't know. Well, but I, I could actually see like the slow motion, you know, and the flare that they would use when Matt Mikkelsen explodes into dance at the end. Is it, yeah, yeah, those are like the 30 seconds of a makeup commercial that Aronofsky likes to do on any of his movies. He's like, he's perfect for him. So I feel like at some point you have to give a synopsis, but I feel yeah. like we should put money down right now. Do you think the Hollywood version will have the balls to have a freeze frame at the end <laughs> of jumping into the water? Uh, 
I have to say that there was something about like that frame that I thought is like only a foreign film could do this. Yeah, only Danish. He's <laughs> like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. I know where you're going. Um, but yeah, let me because we already like gave up. You know, even like how the movie ends. But uh, let's just talk about like what this movie is about. As this was your pick, uh, I have to summarize it. But the uh, story centers in four friends that they are high school teachers, high school, elementary school, because one of them is actually with the small kids. That's the only one that he talks, sort of that he actually interacts with younger kids. And, and they're, they're like gym teachers, basically. Yeah, he's a gym yeah. teacher. Uh, the other one is like a singing teacher. I don't know what is like the correct term for someone like working on that. Uh, the third one is like the philosophy teacher, and then Matt Nicholson is the history teacher. So, and they portray like kids have a drinking problem. Well, a drinking problem is that they enjoy alcohol. Is actually how they open. Like the movie opens with the kids like just having some kind of party around a lake and just explaining like some rules about like how they're going to be like running in couples and how they're going to be like drinking a lot of beer along the way and who's going to be like just winning. They have they can throw up in couples, whatever. And there's like this very it's like one of those things that it really like, just gives you about like this is not only about like the what is going to happen with the four friends, it's also like a critique or a commentary on the country. Denmark itself, when they say that, well, the kids, I heard that they are drinking a lot, it's like, yeah, well, maybe the next semester we should just enforce that they don't drink, and it's like, how are you going to do that, it's impossible to stop them from drinking, you know, that there are a couple of sentences, like, uh, when the wife of Matt Mikkelsen says something like, uh, look, my problem is not that you drunk like crazy, it's like, everyone drinks in this country like a Maniac. I love the sentence about like, yeah, there is a critic here about like this country has a problem with alcohol. That is, they, they cannot control it. They can be like the people that they feel like this should be a role model for everyone else. He say like, they can fall into this pattern. It's like really easy for these people to fall into this pattern. But in any case, the story centers in Matt Mikkelsen, a middle aged uh, teacher in this high school, and uh, how he has become like the worst version of himself, like the boring version of himself and talking with uh, his wife even confirms that you are no longer the person that I fell in love with, you turn to someone else, I say. So they have like a very little direction for one of them and they are trying to uh, encourage Matt Smith saying, what is the name of the, of the character? Martin or Johnny, they're very generic names. Yeah, they're like super. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicholas, Nicholas is one. Yeah, Nicholas with a J. Nicholas, no, he's Martin, but Nicholas is the one that has the birthday. He's yeah, Nicholas, yeah, Nicholas is like for this birthday, and they have this lavish dinner with caviar and vodka. Uh, <laughs> I like that joke that they do about like Russians, about like Russians drink this every single day and they go driving. I don't know what you are complaining about. Which is true. Yeah, I believe it. So uh, basically, he ends up falling for it and he starts drinking, and then he doesn't stop and he has like a great time celebrating until the next morning. So the next day they actually present a theory of a philosopher that he says that we, a philosopher, a Norwegian philosopher that exists in real life, that had a theory that we humans are born with a deficiency of alcohol in our blood. <laughs> There's like a 0.05. So he actually says that if we drink, is that we can be like the better version of ourselves. Like up to that volume, only to that volume. Yeah, so the Norwegian, he's a psychiatrist, I think, he, he says, yeah, everybody should be at a point zero five because that's where you become more creative, more yeah. emotionally engaged. Yeah. 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 So they decide to do that. It's not about like, just falling into alcoholism, but it's just basically drinking while they're at work, like doing things for just getting like more engaged with classes, like more creative. And Matt Mikkelsen is like, the first one to do it. And Basically, he turned around the classes that they started and the students were not engaged whatsoever. It's like suddenly he can just think about it, the way of engaging them and makes everything super fun and they start like just loving it. Because he lectured about Winston Churchill and his, his started, drinking. He basically, <laughs> yeah, basically all his lessons are about drinking. Is that the way that he can actually connect with his students? That I know that you guys love alcohol, so I'm going to be like this teaching you history through alcohol. 
it's like if an American teacher were to connect with his students via TikTok. Well, I mean, I was thinking a bit more about guns, but sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every country has their weakness. Uh, so, uh, and everything is good. The rest of the teachers are the same. Even like uh, his marital life starts improving, you know, they then go on a trip. And uh, then they start pushing from 0.5 to 1%. They start like just going, I love that I see. 0.1, 10%. Yeah, 10%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a day I love that I see when Massimi Gosling is just like doing these ballets of, okay, I'm avoiding everyone, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it's pretty clear that he's slightly affected by alcohol. And then he started, he ends up like just stamping his face against the wall. That is, oh, this was like a ballet. Because they actually made fun of him because he used to dance, like he used to do like an interpretive uh, jazz dance. Jazz, yeah. Yeah, jazz dance. So he does like a jazz dance kind of thing, like pretty natural, and then he just stamps himself into the wall and he starts like that bleeding. But from that point, everything still goes great for him and for the rest of the students, for the rest of the teachers, the other three teachers. No? No, I, so keep going. I, I think there's a difference in interpretation up until this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just want to say that from a. We can say that it's like what they're doing is that it's starting to get out of hand, you know? And that's what I would say is that things were going great from their drunk perspective. Exactly. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah. sober perspective of the people in their lives, it was yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, from the sober perspective, I think that it was still okay. I think that when things like the rain completely is when they have like this uh, ignition point. That is, okay, we have to push it to the point of uh, ignition. That is, like if you have like eight really heavy units of alcohol, is that your mouth, there are like two kind of things that is that, or you actually just, is that, ah, I'm too tired, I just want to stop drinking, or is that you start like developing some kind of need for more alcohol. So basically drive through this kind of curiosity because at the same time they're trying to write some kind of a study about this, like the things that they have, is that they push themselves into a potential point of alcoholism. And after that interaction is when Matt Smith is saying, uh, I'm Paris, falls apart. You know, that is that like he discovers that like his wife and he was like just falling into this middle-aged depression. She actually had all over, she pushed her, he pushed her away, but he actually just ran out of the house after doing an MSC. Uh, the guy on the 40th birthday, he basically pissed himself in bed, you know, and the wife just leaves with the kids. And uh, then it gets to a point that they see their ways about like, okay, what we're doing is just becoming like too dangerous and they stop, except the gym teacher. So I will say, in addition to everything you've said, they, they choose to be at a 5% alcohol level. Yeah. For context, in America, 8% are legal to drive. Over that, you're drunk, technically, legally drunk. They push it to 10%, which is a- Oh, it's 8% here, I wasn't sure. Yeah. 8%. 8%. Yeah, yeah. And then they decide to do what I would say in American English, binge drinking, yeah. which is the Danish name of the film. It's not another round, it's called binge drinking. Okay. Which I think is an interesting, like, like it calls to attention, I think, what the writer and the director were really trying to, like, have people examine. So yeah, yeah, keep yeah. Keep going, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. So, uh, basically, the only one that doesn't stop drinking is the, uh, the, uh, gene teacher. <laughs> I find, like, pretty disturbing that at the same time, the uh, singing teacher, he actually, the music teacher, encouraged one of the students that he gets, like, super nervous with exams. That is like, why don't you drink before the exam? And he actually gives him alcohol for just, like, just drink it. And he actually succeeds. He's like, thanks to alcohol, he succeeds on the exams, and he can actually just graduate. But this, uh, this gym teacher, he actually gets fired from work because they find evidence that someone was drinking, you know, been drinking at work, and he comes into the uh, schools or into the teacher room, like that's completely wasted. That is, like, it's a very uncomfortable to watch a scene where like, everyone is sitting and like, like that's tripping over everything. So uh, at the end, as anyone could expect, this guy actually dies in acid, he has a boat, he goes like into the boat and with he just also with his poor dog that he was not even like capable of going to the backyard to, uh, to clean and he needed to help him. So uh, basically he dies and then we see the, uh, the, the friends like going to the funeral uh, but then he jumps into the celebration of the uh, students 
that they just graduated and they start like binge watching, sorry, binge watching, binge <laughs> drinking, binge drinking with them until Max Mikkelsen just explodes into a just dance celebration. And uh, well, the other thing that also I, I'm really curious before we go into if you overall like the movie or not, how do you feel about the story of the uh, making amends between Max Mikkelsen's character and his wife? about, you know, like, all those messages that they cross. So let me not answer that question and tell you why I found this film fascinating, uh, so you'll know why I'm reluctant to give you an answer. Um, so there is substance abuse issues in my family. Um, I lived in Eastern Europe for several years and became fascinated with the alcoholism rates, but not just the alcoholism rates, but how different they can be in these very, like, small geographic areas, if that makes sense. Like, it's mm -hmm. definitely a problem in Russia, but in Belarus, it's like, you know, yeah. nation-destroying. Um, so, with all of these perspectives I brought, like, to me, that felt like the most inauthentic part of it, because, like, addiction and, like, it doesn't happen like that. Yep. It doesn't happen. Like, addiction destroys relationships, it destroys yep. people, yep. and they will die. Yep. So I was like, I, I believe that somebody attempted to fix a relationship, but that relationship can't be fixed, in yep. my opinion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it felt a bit more of a out of place. It felt like a big too melodrama kind of thing. And it's like, you know that I don't have any kind of problem with metal drama, but I felt it's that there is like another like social commentary layer here, and this feels a bit more of a smaller scale. I feel more like this is not completely necessary. And maybe it was the, the writer and the director trying to express hope, like, hey, we can overcome this. And so because I'm interested in Eastern European alcoholism, I'm aware Denmark is not in Eastern Europe, mm -hmm. Europe but um, I googled Denmark alcohol consumption yep, yep. statistics, and it says that Denmark is absolutely the biggest drinker in Scandinavia. So right. when you compare to Norway, Ooh, but I I always thought that actually Sweden and Norway they are like and Finland they are like super alcohol consumers. Yes, because in those, like, those countries where there's no there's just snow for like nine months out of the yeah. year. When I went to Iceland, I was astonished. A small bottle of Smirnoff cost $80 because they don't want people in Iceland to drink. Yeah. Um, but I will say that in the past 10 years, Denmark has seen the largest, one of the largest drops in alcohol consumption among OECD countries from 12.1 liters of pure alcohol annually to 9.1 liters. So understanding that, you have to understand the people, the age of the characters in the story, they, 10 years ago when they were 30 or 35 or 40, they yeah. witnessed a very different Denmark, not a very different, but a different relationship to alcohol. So I found all of this very interesting, like Thomas Vinterberg, we were just saying before we started recording is 51? 51, yeah. 51. So it's just interesting to see like this relationship to alcohol and also Thomas Vinterberg's interest in human relationships to things that aren't generally considered bad for us, right? So like, yep. Dear Wendy, nobody liked it, I did, but it's about America's obsessions with guns, right? And what yep. that obsession does, and the presence of guns, and our embrace of guns, and what does that does do to society. Yeah. So I found interesting in this film that he was essentially doing the same thing, but in all honesty, alcohol is a relatively safe vice. Yes, there's absolutely the risk of, risk of alcoholism, yep. but for most of the population, it's safe. So, the, what these people were doing was that they were mm. indulging mm. in excess. Well, I mean, it's safe as long as you don't com sorry, you don't combine it with driving, for example. And that's yeah. one of the things that yeah, I yeah. feel like just really surprised is like from the beginning, Mas Mikkelsen is like, I'm not going to drive. He's like, you know, he's like just only getting drunk at five percent. He's like, he's like just asking his friend, "Oh, like, hey, I cannot drive." When he was doing that exercise, you know, the first time that he experimented with this. So I felt surprised that they're relatively responsible, you know, when they're doing this, but at the same time, they don't think about the kind of potential long lasting effects of something like this. 
There is as you said, it's like it's not going to be the developing an addiction for absolutely everyone, but for the one that is going to be developing an addiction, it destroys his life. Yeah, and so I completely agree with you. And what do you think, Vinterberg and his co-writer, who also wrote uh, the, the hijacking, he co-wrote the hunt. Yeah. So somebody who's super talented, in my opinion, he directed two episodes of Mine Hunters. Um, do you like the show? I like the first season a lot. The yeah. second season I wasn't super impressed with. Um, but like, I get what he was trying to say with America's obsession with guns. I don't, I didn't walk away from this film with a clear understanding of what he was trying to say about Denmark's relationship with alcohol yeah. or their relationships with their families. I, I don't do you know. Do you know how I felt? And I know that I, had, I want to say this about this movie. I still don't know what a score to give it. You know, I wanted to talk with you because between like two numbers. Um, but it reminded me some kind of way, like say in distances, to back around from the perspective is like if you don't know too much about like the history or you know like the reality of that country, you're going to be like there is more here. Yeah. No. It's like in Bakura I think that it's like almost like looking at the camera about like saying that it's like this is about Brazil, it's about our history. And it's here slavery, is a, colonization. Yeah. yeah. And here is a bit more about like just a couple of sentences that they say about like, you know, as I was telling you when they start it says like, how are you going to be stopping teenagers from drinking? You know, like, they don't even like just try to say that we should call the parents, this is not okay. It's like, no, it's cultural. Is that drinking is, is a culture problem, but at the same time I'm just making it lighter. Because as a society they make it lighter. Is that you only have like some people that is like, okay, I'm not going to be like drinking as much because that it was like it has been a really long time since I drank at the beginning of the movie. And again, this is what I found fascinating because when I lived in Russia for the first time, it was 2003 to 2005. This has changed since then, but when I lived there, beer was classified as a soda. So anybody, anybody could buy it. So you mean like a 10 year old? Yeah, they could walk up to the kiosk in the street and buy alcohol. That's and in amazing. America, we're, we're crazy restrictive about it. Like, I, I think it's the other extreme. Like, yeah. I feel like if you're 19 and you want to plus one. Yeah, it's demonized. And it. I see Denmark as being right in between, like, the extreme of America and the extreme of Russia. Mm. And being like... I think that it may be closer to Russia. And this is like a strong I, yeah. worst coming from someone from Spain. That is like, I have my... The first time that I went out, I got completely wasted. Probably was 16 or 15. Yeah. And I grew up religious, but I didn't have a drop of alcohol until I was 21. Not one. Ali, I'm mind blown about that, honestly. I'm like, just mind blown about like Americans, the Americans that they actually went to fucking Again, I grew up in rural Mormon That's America. True. It may be different. I, I mean, we see the movies, right? Yeah. American teenagers drink. I didn't see that. I didn't see that at all. <laughs> it was for you, like, that only happens in the movies. It's like, my friends don't drink. Exactly. <laughs> my friends only pray. Um, but yeah, I mean, just going into the if overall I like it or not, I like it. I like it quite a bit. I mean, like this kind of movies that something that it starts with is like, we can control this and getting out of hand. Like, for example, Wrecking for a Dream. You know, I find it interesting, but I think that it's a Wrecking for a Dream recreates itself into just human misery. It's like it's part of the leitmotiv for the movie, you know, it's like things start like that they're really like pretty pretty quickly, let's say for them. In this one it's a bit more like no 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 no, let's let's excuse me, let's keep pushing. Let's see let's see what else what happens. It's for science. It's not that we have a problem. And see this is what I found like confounding about the film is that like I love the hunt and just a I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's about a man. I think he's a teacher, Matt Nicholson, yeah. who's accused of being a pedophile and he's yeah. not. But this Did you just spoil it to me? Well, I don't to be honest, I don't remember. I don't Okay, think, don't spoil it for me. I don't think we ever know the truth, but the point of the film is that the town thinks he is, and they treat him that way. Gotcha. So there's a level of gravitas that I saw in the hunt, in the celebration, even in Dear Wendy, when it was completely like inauthentic. 
I didn't, I didn't see that here. And I agree with you, I liked the film. I liked it a lot, but I don't know what he was trying to say. And I think you're right. The, the piece that's missing is the cultural, like, understanding of Denmark's relationship with alcohol. Maybe it's that basic, or maybe it's more complicated than that, and it's more about family relationships, or... I think that it's about lots of small different things, because at the end you can also think that it's about, like, the... Uh, are you seeing the family dynamics, you know, yeah. and how he was trying to just come back from a middle-aged depression? Because when he dances, we can assume that he dances because he's happy. Because he's happy that he's coming back to his wife, that they are reconnecting after this crisis. And the guy, the 40-year-old guy, is that he actually says that after the crisis that I have, that they left, he's like, it looks like we are stronger than ever. That is like, we actually just went through something that it was not good, and it's not about like just forgiveness or anything, but we recognize that there were other problems. And it's like we were not capable of facing those problems until I screwed up things completely. So, again, like, is this just a film that's about men that are in a midlife crisis, and because alcohol is, plays a bit more of a significant role in Danish society, it's framed within this kind of experimenting with this substance? I don't know. I don't know. I think that it just leaves the completely open-ended because when you actually just imagine that you're like from Denmark and you see this is like is this actually demonizing alcohol? Not really. I mean not really, I mean it's true that one of the nationalists are like with alcoholism he dies. But at the same time it's like the other two they end up in a better spot. And the the, the singing teacher that is like is the one that is the less developed of all of them, is like he starts like dating someone that he thinks that he's perfect after that he's been single for his whole life. And I, the, the first time we see them get together after the failed experiment, yeah. none of them wants to drink. Like, you see them acting super responsibly. Yeah. So, again, I like this film. I saw a lot of the incredibly assured direction that I saw in The Hunt in this movie. It's like, it's like the direction is that good. But I don't know that I walked away with anything more than, oh, that was interesting, and it made me think about things. Yeah, the problem that I have with this movie is that thinking about it is that I don't really think that I'm going to be able to remember this movie too much. I, I know that I'm giving like, the answer to all of them, but it's like I was thinking about, like, okay, I'm going to think that it's a massive because um, there is a lot. I hear a person. <laughs> he earns his, his wings. I don't know. I mean, it's. And then he dances. I mean, I have to say that the dancing scene, it was like, it was cool. It was like, how oh, he's closing to the dance, you know, after they're like just joking with him all the time. He's like, yeah, that's, that's cool. That he actually had 50, how, how old did he say that he was? 65, now, Mads Mikkelsen? He's 65? 65, I thought. No, no, man, you cannot be 65. No, he was born in 65. So he's like, what? Uh, 55. 55. He's 55 now, so yeah, 53. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, it's still like pretty impressive the moves that he has, you know, and he jumps around and then he jumps into the bay. The part of me is like, okay, he's jumping into the bay, they do the freeze frame, and he just leaves you in the situation of like, okay, what exactly? I agree with you that like at the end, that freeze frame is like, usually when you use a freeze frame, it's because you want like to create an impact, but it's like, what is the impact? Is that he. He's having like an explosion of happiness and then he dumps into the water. It's like when actually his friend just died falling into the water. What exactly is the message here? And I feel, I felt like, okay, this partially I felt that this is a smarter film than I am. I agree. I think there's layers here that I, I'm not aware of. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's good, but it's like I. I feel like there are like a lot of topics, and it's a thing that is a bit more about like the Denmark reality. And it's like these guys are like just basic, basic vehicles about like just portraying like different kind of factors that could happen. What's the film that we saw recently? Uh, it was a historical remake, I think, and I was paying close attention. It was the Russian film about the massacre. And I, oh, I immediately, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I immediately saw. Okay, this isn't about the characters. This is trying to tell something that's beyond a character study. That's yeah. the way I felt about this film. Like I'm gonna follow the plot along, but yeah. it's not. It's not about this character's development or this person growing or any well, of that. You can still take it like that. You know, I think that is from that perspective. I think that is good, but I think that we are. 
a sun not from the north, I think that he sits, you know, part of it, but at the same time, if he does only one Oscar, I just feel it's like for winning an Oscar, you have to be like pretty easy to be just. <laughs> you know, you know that's the reason that I'm like, okay, how do you going to be translating this to the States? You know, there is a country that doesn't have an easy relationship with alcohol. Yeah, I'm, you're the one who told me that, that Hollywood was going to remake this during Leonardo DiCaprio, and I was like, what? Didn't you check it? I did, but you're the one who told me. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know before that, and I was like, what the hell? Because basically, it's like the news of another round won an Oscar. It was like, another round, the movie that is going to be remade with Leonardo DiCaprio won an That's Oscar. That's <laughs> Okay, it's not about, you know, a Thomas Winterberg movie winning an Oscar. No, it's about a movie that is going to be remade with Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar. So just wait, don't watch it. Just yeah, wait just, for No, him. no, no, we'll yeah. see it. It's like the... Uh, the Night watch in Russia. <laughs> when America's like, no, don't worry, we'll make the third film. Oh, never mind. We, we're never, still- and we have the license, <laughs> so no one is ever going to be like doing the third film. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just feel surprised. I like it, you know. But it's, I, I agree with you that it's just, I'm missing like exactly where the gravitas is. There are like some points that are like almost. But at the same time, is that there is something on me, missing on me, not on the movie. Yeah. It's and, like, and I think it is that actually like the critics from, from the Academy could actually see that. And then you can. And they can't. It's just like, <laughs> I feel it's like, come on, they're fucking dumb. Is that they basically, most of the time, they just score after 10 minutes of the movie. And I hate, I hate to admit, because you and I have had endless conversations about how little we respect the Oscars. Yeah. They generally recognize good movies, I think, but it's not that they recognize the greatest ones. And after this film won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film, I was like, oh, there's gotta be something here. Like, I've gotta look at this, there's something I'm missing. So I don't know if that's like me and the artificial like uh, inflation of reputation that the Academy gave this film, but. No, honestly, did it mean anything else? Like Cannes or something? I think it won something at TIFF. The Toronto International Film Festival. I mean, it won, uh, yeah, the BAFTA for non English. Yeah, the Cesar Awards. It's, it's, got a, it's got a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 7.8 out of 10 on your website that I hate. <laughs> Yeah, oh, no, 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 Metacritic, it's 80 out of 100. Yeah. Yeah, Metacritic. Yeah, not Rotten Tomatoes. But, uh... It's one of those movies... That, for example, in Bakurao, like going back to it, is I can see that there is more to it. Do I care? No. No, because I don't think that it's like that well made. You know, in this one, is like, I think that it's well made. I think that there is more to it, but I don't know how to just put it from there. So there, there's this book of Russian poetry by a, a well Soviet poetry by this guy who he was an absurdist, mm-hmm. and long before I studied l- Russian literature in college, I bought this book and I was like, holy shit, this is super interesting. I I don't get it, but it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. Yeah. And then in my final year of college, I took a course where we studied poetry post like 1940, and we studied this guy. And I had a professor explain to me, this is the background of this poem. This is what it means. This is how it was a veiled critique of the Soviet Union. And I was like, holy shit. And I feel that way about this film. There's something here and it's beautiful and it's intriguing. I don't get it yet. And someday I hope to have a Danish film professor explain this film to me. <laughs> I don't get it all, but I know that this is this is a good film. Um, did you read the uh, New York Times movie? I did in the last bar we visited. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that... Uh, and uh, what did they say? Did they say anything? Did they explain it? It was not a critic's pick. 
Oh, okay. They did not choose to use one of their main uh, film critics, which I consider A.O. Scott, who's the head film critic, and then Manolo Dargis. Yep. I had never heard of this film critic. They didn't explain it, but they did go through and say, this is a good film because of this, 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 and this. I agreed with them generally, um, but it didn't lead like, in, into any insight that yep. I, I didn't get from the film just by watching it. Yeah, I mean, it may be, I don't know, maybe it's the case that there is no form of insight. I don't know. I mean, we also like something that we haven't mentioned yet is that actually, before the production of this film, is like uh, Thomas Winterberg's daughter died. Yeah. And yeah, tell me more, because you told me the story right before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I, I, I just read it because it was like one of the first things that it was like popping up, like looking for Thomas Winterberg. And uh, actually, part of the story, it may come. I mean, it's true that she died in a car crash uh, while the other driver was testing. On the phone, yeah. So, uh, so alcohol wasn't involved. Alcohol wasn't involved. Okay. You know that is like I thought that is oh, you know, it's like maybe that's there's a critique, but there is not so much negativity about alcohol here. I mean, it's a bit more of like it's part of our reality, it's part of who we are, for better and worse. And uh, but in any case, what I find like fascinating and a bit disturbing is that uh, he recorded uh, the movie in the high school where his daughter used to go to. And some of the some of the actors that we see and actresses, they are like the kids, the uh, the kids from the same class as his daughter used to go to. That I find like wow. Like, I didn't know that until you shared it with me, and now I think it's it's bizarre. I don't I don't know if this is a weird way of him working through grief, but it's just that adds a this super weird layer to this film. Yeah. I'm like what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's good or it's bad. It's just strange. It's just yeah, like yeah, I don't know exactly what you're doing here, Thomas. It's good for you if this is like the way that you're going to be like feeling better with yourself, but. Is weird, and he has like one more layer of complexity to this. Of I don't know how to decipher this. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there are like technical film pieces that I can see. This is solid direction. Yeah. Like the director was giving good feedback to his actors. He had a very talented cast. He had a very nice script. Yeah. But like the the when the sum of all the pieces is greater than it should be, that's the part I'm missing. Why is it better than it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there like something more yeah. that we're not getting? Is like, are we missing like the second piece? You know, that is in the corner of everything, or is that it? Is that supposed to be like just face entertainment about like the story of these four guys trying to do something crazy and just failing in the process? Uh, should we go over the questions? Yes, we uh, should. Uh, so, would you watch it again? I know I would watch it again because I will drag you to the Leonardo DiCaprio version of this. <laughs> so is that a yes or a no? It's a yes. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely watch it again. I'm curious to see maybe with every watch I feel as in I got it. I got it now. Now this is important. Um, would you recommend it? I think that I would um, to a very discerning film lover. I'd say, <laughs> hey, you know, I see your movie taste and I think you would like this. Yeah, I would recommend it and I know that you always use the criteria of I would recommend it to my parents or not. And I think that I could even to my parents. I mean, I don't think that there is anything like too gruesome or anything, but it will be more from the perspective is like, look, I want to hear your take. You know, it's true that as you said, like someone with a more sophisticated taste in cinema, you could actually leverage something about like, what am I missing? Just tell me. It's like, what is the missing piece here? Um, but I would be curious, you know, I would be curious to just hear other people's opinion about it. And they can actually tell me, like, no, 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 the symbology is that alcohol is Christ and we are like drinking out of it and becoming more in communion with it. I don't know, maybe and there is something crazy. And then they were punished. Exactly, yeah, maybe there is something there. Uh, would you remember it? To be honest, I thought that I would, and then you said, I think before we start recording, you're gonna forget it, and I think that I will. I'll remember. Yeah. I'll remember the film. I remember. I'll remember that I like it. I will yeah. not remember the specifics. I I think that I will remember it. Like there are like a group of friends that they start drinking for some particular reason, but and things go bad. But I won't remember any specifics of this. I don't think that I will even remember when that's me sometimes moves. Well, I keep telling you that I like 
I like Dear Wendy. I remember nothing about that film except the main actor was also a nymphomaniac one and two. So. No, no. That's not. Oh, is the uh, the old guy? No, it's the young. I don't know. Sailor No, he's blonde. He's the one that whips the people. I think he whips uh, British slash French actress Charlotte Gainsbourg. Yeah. Jamie. I think his name is Jamie Bell. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, he's continuing with the questions. Is there anything artistic about another round? So in terms of like, quote unquote, style, I wouldn't say there's anything that's outstanding, but in terms of direction, this film feels so assured in itself and its direction. It's so confident in what it wants to show that yes, like the direction stands out to me as incredibly artistically sound. Artistically sound. Okay. Uh, I'm a bit torn, sorry, about, uh, about it. I... I have to say that uh, that I don't see like anything like stands out. You know, it's something like uh, like Michael Lee, or talking about like what is his style, what is exactly like the thing that happened here. You know. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and I think I feel Michael Lee is such a talented storyteller. But in a very subdued style, yeah, it's the it's same with Thomas Vinterberg. Yeah. Like, he's just great at telling a story without like overemphasizing anything. Without, yeah. All right, I'm going to go with you. There's yeah. a mystery between like yes and no. But it's like I can <laughs> notice uh, like you, yes, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, is it a timeless piece? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's nothing. Besides the the changing relationship with between Denmark and alcohol that seems to be changing, like, yeah, I think yeah, it's a timeless is, yeah. piece. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree that it's like it's still like a bit of part of the reality of uh, of Denmark, but beyond that, is that the story is out of time. And that's why Hollywood can remake it next year, and it'll be just as relevant. But once again, it's like I don't know exactly how you can translate. With the kind of demonized relationship, just tell me a movie that is about like just getting drunk in the States. Living in Las Vegas? What else? That's the only one. <laughs> I cannot think of anything. Requiem that... for a Dream, it's not alcohol, but it's, it's about addiction. Yeah. It's not just drugs, it's the, the grandma's obsessed with television and. Sure, but she starts taking drugs for yeah. just getting thinner. Yeah. You know? So, uh, from that perspective, it's like I don't think that there is anything. I think that this actually just plays a bit more into how this. Thing that it can just turn into a very heavy addiction. How is just being taken as something like completely light? You know, it's like I mean, this, this is not the case. Is that people look at alcohol in a very demonic way? And also, I, I don't think probably America's alcohol problem, like frequency, is that different than other places. But we definitely pretend it's not. Well, I mean, I think that there is a bit more of a fear of alcohol. Um, like, yeah, just stay away from these things. Like, this is bad for you. You can't like, handle it if you're 20. Yes, stay away. Yeah, it's like you, you can handle guns, you can handle uh, cars, you can or, handle boring, yeah. but, you know, alcohol. Not alcohol. No, no that's like just pushing it too far. So, I'm. I honestly don't think that this can be translated to the States, so I'm like really curious if it's going to be like just turn it into some kind of face value, or actually whoever is going to be like writing the script is going to be like super smart. I really hope it's Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to be like just, he already wrote the script. In fact, before, the, <laughs> before another round came out, he already wrote the script. It was like mother, he wrote it in three hours. You know, he's like, yeah. I'm like just writing in life at the same time that I'm directing it. Here I come, Oscars. Yep. Yep. Uh, could you turn this into a TV show? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting movie. It's it's the scale is appropriate, but I don't need any more detail. I don't need this stretched out over time. Yeah, I agree. I think that is this is a self-contained story that we don't need like more development of the characters or anything else. It's just a series. Do you think this movie could have been better? I... I'm gonna say no. I think 
The real answer is probably yes, but I can't point to a single thing and say they should have developed this character more, they should have had less soundtrack, which they had plenty of, which I felt like was just a fuck you to Dogma 95. Um, there's nothing I can point at and say this I would have fixed, so I'm gonna say no. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's like I don't know exactly what would I change because I don't know exactly what should I be taking from this movie. You know, if I, if someone were to tell me, Thomas Winterberg, we like just knocking on the door right now, it's like what you should have taken from these movies A, B, and C, I would be like, that movie hasn't been right because you didn't develop this part as much as you should. You know, it's like I don't even know, it's like, is this a comedy? It's like someone dies on this. And they're like teenagers getting drunk and throwing up and just, you know, like, how do you say, like a coffee people. Like randomly, but it's like very jerk stuff. You know? So when I was researching it after I watched it, the, the term used everywhere was tragic comedy. Do you agree with that? They can see it, yeah. I mean, because even when uh, the 40-year-old guy is in bed, there is an aspect of comedy there. I would have called it a black comedy, because yeah, there's a sad part about the, the friend dying, but I, I wouldn't put tragic into this, it's just very dark. Sure, but you also call another comedy a Christmas story. That's just heartwarming. That's <laughs> heartwarming. <laughs> oh my god, they're fucking terrible with each other. <laughs> Okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, for me, it's, I don't know exactly how it would make, make, make it better. Potentially it could be better, but I don't know exactly what is like the part that it would need to be developed because I still don't know exactly what should I be taking out of this. Yep, agreed. 100%. So, uh, should we score? We should, and entering into this entire conversation, I hadn't even thought about a score, but now I'm, I'm very clear on what I want. Yeah. I'm still torn about it. You know, so it was my pick. It was your pick. You're and technically supposed to score first. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's definitely a good movie, but it's just missing like part of what I need to take away from it. It just leaves me with a shadow of a doubt of is there anything that I need to take out of it? Is it maybe there wasn't anything else? Or maybe this was like just, you know, like 90 minutes, well, it was not 90, it was a bit longer, like 100 minutes of entertainment, you know, and just human misery of people getting wasted, like completely wasted. Uh, and it's fun to watch, you know, but it's like, if it's not more, if it's not elevated, I just feel like it may fall a bit flat. So, I'm going to go, I'm going to be like breaking up with the rules, I'm going to say like 7.25. Interesting. Why? Uh, because you broke the rules, um, but that's fine. I've done it before. Yep. We all have. <laughs> As I see the 10 point scale, 5 is perfectly mediocre, 7.5 is a good film, anything above that is elevated. So I'm going to give it an 8, because I think this is slightly elevated. It could be extremely elevated, but because of everything we said, I can't identify it. But I, I see that there's something important about this film. I can't say why, I can't say what it is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm gonna say eight. So, from my perspective at the beginning of the podcast, it was between an eight and a 7.5. It's from the same theory about, okay, we can distill down what is, a, what is important about this film. It's like, yeah, definitely, it's an 8. And for me, a 7 is like a, it's a good film. It's like a ball, yeah, completely the appearance. It's like a, a movie that I think that people should watch. You know, but it's like, the more that we talk about it, if it's something that is like so geographically located to our reality, I feel like the least, the least important it is. Interesting, so because La La Land and, and Sunset Boulevard take place in Hollywood? Oh yeah, but I mean, does Sunset Boulevard, and I fucking hate that you are like just putting La La Land in the same, in the same <laughs> sentence as Sunset Boulevard, I think that you're trolling me right now, but I'm going to be like just biting on it, is that Sunset Boulevard, it actually is not so much about like, the reality of Hollywood, you know, it's a bit more about like how we can elevate people and it can be, it's not only about cinema, you can just translate it to sports and the likes and how you can just throw them away after they have signed so right and how is that they are like just broken toys 
Alright, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, La La Land no. La La Land is just, <laughs> it's just about Hollywood, it's a self, you know, it's a masturbation exercise. But uh, in this case, you know, that it becomes like more narrow and narrow, I feel like more torn about it. And a part of me, when I think about like the other part about like, the daughter dying and recording there, you know, I feel it's like this is starting to become weirder. Maybe this is a more of a piece that could have been more. I mean, you dig enough, maybe you can just, as with everything with film studies, is that you can elevate anything. You can say that, well, the director was thinking about this and he wanted to transmit this idea. You know, with enough time for just describing the scene and the missing sound, is that you can just do whatever, you know, you can elevate it. And maybe we are like just digging too deep into it. So, as you are like just saying that, it's like, no, I think that there is more, I'm just leaning towards like, don't know what else. All the melodrama towards the third act, I just felt it's like you're losing here. I can see that, and I also see that I'm more optimistic in our films. So. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised because there are other days that I think that it's like the other way around and like the more optimistic of the two. On this one, I felt torn. You also know that I have a weak spot for one Danish film, two Dogma 95 directors and three, Thomas Vinterberg himself. So, like, there's a lot here that may be inflating my opinion of this film, <laughs> but I, I own it, I'm, I'm into it. No, 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 I mean, that's, that's completely fair. But, yeah. Uh, so, this was a pick, but the last two picks, that the previous one, sorry, the regular one, the regular last pick, it was Fight Club, and then we had this special episode with uh, our guest, uh, it was also my pick, and this was yours, so for just balancing, is it your, sorry, the next movie is going to also be and what do you pick? And I have picked the Mike Lee film, Naked, which I think came out in 92, uh, so I became a Mike Lee fan before Happy Go Lucky came out, so then Happy Go Lucky came out in theaters, and I loved it, and, um, and I realized that Naked was basically the extreme opposite, it takes like, uh, two sex-obsessed men in a dark city, miserable and cynical, um, and I loved it, and I, because you, you liked Happy Go Lucky, I wanted to show you. Oh, no, that's good. Naked and see what you thought about yeah. that. Yeah, I wondered, uh, is there any correlation between these and same? I don't think so. Okay, so they're not like really like the same kind of sexualities. Well, it's been okay. a long time since I've watched it. I, it's more about the, the sex having, having conversations with other people, as I recall. Right. I'm going to be super interested in talking about it with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm really curious because I really like Happy Go Lucky, albeit we both took like different ways out of it. That I sure I did. Yeah, that I love. Okay, uh, anything else to say about another round? I'm looking forward to the Leonardo DiCaprio version. <laughs> I hope that that never happens. That is like someone actually just regains some kind of common sense. It's like, what the fuck were we thinking? Well. Okay, so we don't have anything else to say. Thank you so much to that, I don't know, six people listening to us. Thank you for not having anything better to do with your life, even when we're almost done with this pandemic. And wash your hands. Keep watching that. Keep watching that. Bye. Thank you.